I was still accelerating, um, and by the time I reacted, I'd crashed into the back of the car. The reason I was then suspicious was uh, as the two guys got out of the car, they were feigning injury. We had a chap who uh, was claiming for a Rolex watch, and it turned out that the photograph of the watch was dated after the watch was allegedly stolen. Hello, my name is George. I am six years old, and I like facts. No, I did not know that. No way. That's incredible. Oh, that's not good. Hello and welcome to the Aviva podcast. My name is Ben Moss. Now, if you're in the UK, you might have heard about cash for crash. But what about slip and trip? Both are types of insurance fraud. And in this podcast, I'm going to find out more about each of them. Also, insurance fraud is sometimes referred to as one of those victimless crimes, so I'm going to find out if that's actually true. Now, at the start of the podcast, we heard from Des. A few years ago, he was a victim of cash for crash. This is typically where a driver in front makes a deliberate action so the driver behind has no other option but to crash into them. They're then able to make a claim for whiplash in the hope the other person's insurer will pay out, no questions asked. Hi, my name's Des, and a couple of years ago, I was a victim of crash for cash. So the incident took place uh, near Heathrow Airport. I'd just come back from travelling with work, and it was a late flight, so I think it was approximately about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Um, The roads around the area were fairly quiet, and what happened was a car had passed me on a dual carriageway as we approached some red lights uh, at a roundabout junction to enter the, the motorway. I found it odd that it had effectively accelerated to get past me just to pull in front of me um, but I suppose at the time didn't think anything of it and just reflected afterwards thinking that it was odd. The actual incident as the lights turned green the car pulled away but immediately then put the brakes on very hard. I was still accelerating um, and by the time I reacted I'd crashed into the back of the car. Um, not a very hard impact, um, but enough that it had done a bit of damage to their car and to my car. I was fuming at the time, I remember. Um, really curious and finding it really odd why somebody would suddenly break because the roads were really quiet. There was nothing, and obviously with, with it being light-controlled, there was nothing on the road to cause them to stop. The reason I was then suspicious was uh, as the two guys got out of the car, they were feigning injury. Uh, holding their neck and then when I started to ask for details about whose car it was and the names they were reluctant to give me their names and then the passenger said that it was his car um, and that he was driving which I queried saying no I've just seen you get out of uh, the passenger side door Uh, and when I tried to start taking photos of both of the vehicles um, they were trying to grab my hands and stop me from taking photos to which I told them it was my lawful right and um, challenged them and just said I'm going to call the police uh, they were asking for my details but were really reluctant to give their details uh, saying it was all my fault they didn't have to give any details um, what made it more, even more curious was then when, once we'd swapped details I'd taken their reg and, and taken the name of who I thought was the, the driver they actually then went round the roundabout to the right sort of showing that they were in the wrong lane in the first place because they'd pulled across into the rain, lane to go left or onto the motorway so I alerted my insurance to this uh, at the time, thinking that it was a cash for crash. Um, 
and took myself off home. So that was Des talking about his experience with insurance fraudsters. Now insurance fraud is actually more common than you might think. The latest figures from Aviva show their fraud team in the UK detected bogus claims totalling £80 million last year and that's actually £10 million down on 2017. Here's a few more stats for you. Hello, my name is George. I am six years old and I like facts. Okay, George, if you like facts, how about this? In the UK, motor insurance still accounts for two thirds of all detected fraud by Aviva. No, I did not know that. What about this one? One in seven whiplash claims received by Aviva are still rejected for fraud. No way! It's true! Aviva is currently investigating nearly 13,000 motor injury claims. That's incredible! OK George, final one. According to the Association of British Insurers, fraud adds, on average, an extra £50 a year to the annual insurance bill for every UK policyholder. Oh, that's not good. It's not good. Thank you very much, George, for listening to my facts. So how and why is this level of fraud happening? Tom Gardner is head of fraud in the UK at Aviva. I think what's important to remember is that by far the majority of our customers are genuine and we pay 98% of the claims that, that we receive. Um, and what's quite interesting is that uh, of the claims fraud we do detect, actually 75% of it is claims made by third parties against our customer. It's not even our customer. Um, however, having having said that, although um, last year we found uh, fraud on about 2% of all of our claims, actually that was 13,000 claims. It was £80 million worth of claims. Um, and in the case of whiplash fraud, which is by far the uh, largest type of fraud that we that we find in the case of whiplash fraud, we were repudiating one in seven claims. So, um, in, in that context, yes, it is unfortunately quite common. Whiplash fraud is an interesting one, isn't it? That might be the one that many people listening to this will, will be maybe most familiar with because I don't know. Uh, Ten years ago, it felt like it was it was rife. Is that still the case, or or are companies like Aviva fighting back? Yeah, so whiplash fraud still accounts for about two thirds of all of the claims fraud that we that we find. Um, but the, the good news is, from our fraud stats last year, that uh, that that fraud is is falling. I think it's good news for three reasons. In the case of whiplash, I think in the in the first place, we're doing a really good job of of cracking down on whiplash fraud. We're we're finding. Uh, we're finding it's a lot quicker and we're disrupting the activity of the gangs and the fraudsters a lot quicker. Uh, so we're stopping them going on to make lots of fraudulent claims. Um, I think secondly, we've done some fantastic work on prevention and that fraudsters can't buy Aviva products in the first place. We're thereby preventing them from going on to, to make claims. So I think that's reduced our exposure to fraudulent claims. Um, and I think the third thing is um, although we don't expect it to have effect until April next year, I think the, the great work that Aviva's led bringing about the whiplash reforms, that's now starting to change the attitude and behaviour of some of the more organised gangs. It's getting harder. Uh, the gravy train's not going to run forever. And I think they're starting to find 
I think we're kidding ourselves if we think it's gone away completely, but I think I think they're starting to move away from whiplash fraud. And you've mentioned organised gangs a, a few times. Is it individuals making fraudulent claims or is it largely driven by sort of organised crime? Whereas our customer committing fraud, uh, typically in motor household products, they tend to be more opportunist. In the third party claims fraud space, that's far more organized in nature. Um, it's linked to, to gangs. Um, and frankly, very often, insurance fraud is one of the nicer things that, that these gangs do. Um, so we've disrupted the activities with enforcement agents of uh, cash for crash gangs. We've had premises raided um, and they've found evidence of links to guns and prostitution and drugs. Um, so, um, you know, very often by working with enforcement agencies to fight insurance fraud, we are actually disrupting far, far more serious criminal activity as well. But do you still think Aviva pays out on fraudulent claims, some fraudulent claims? Yeah, it grates, but I think it's a, a reality that we'll never, ever eradicate, eradicate fraud. I think what's important is that we we do our very, very best to prevent fraud in the first place and detect as much as, as possible um, and make sure we protect our customers. And um, and what we're really clear about is that, you know, we, if, if we do identify a suspect or fraudulent claim, we, we will not play that claim, even if it's uneconomic. So there's many, many instances we've got where we've defended customers, uh, even at trial, uh, where it would be far more economic just to roll over and pay the claim. But we, we won't do that. We'll defend our customers. We won't pay fraud. Uh, and I think that I think that's the right long game um, as well as the right thing to do um, because it builds a reputation that, you know, Aviva's tough on fraud, we'll look after you. Um, and it sends a real deterrent message, I think, uh, to the gangs and the fraudsters in the future. Last year, actually, we prosecuted uh, 58 instances of, of insurance fraud that attracted sentences of about 65 years. So so we're doing a really good job on that. Throughout this podcast, I'm trying to look into this. I'm not saying it's a widely held view, but there, there is a view among some people that things like insurance fraud could be termed a victimless crime. What would you say to that kind of statement? No, I don't think it's a victimless crime at all. Um, you know, we, we all pay the cost uh, a fraud uh, and fraud pushes up the premiums uh, for for genuine customers. Um, and as we've talked about before, in the case of you know organised cash for crash crime, um, insurance fraud is, is 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 frankly one of the less serious offences that these gangs are up to. And so by fighting insurance fraud, we're genuinely helping the police uh, disrupt the activity of these, of these gangs as well. Tom Gardner there from Aviva. Now it's clear that in the UK fraud is a big problem which is costing people like you and me money. But what about elsewhere in the world? Well I took a trip to Ireland to find out. I didn't really. That would be expenses fraud. We did an interview on Skype. Kieran Flynn, I'm the policy fraud manager for Aviva Ireland. Unfortunately in Ireland we have a similar problem. Uh, we have numerous examples of uh, crash for cash schemes, uh, the most common being slam-ons, um, sometimes staged accidents. Some of the claims that we've, we've experienced over the last number of years would be linked into, as we call, fraud tourism. And fraud tourism is basically where claimants 
come from different countries, be it the UK or uh, further afield, France or Poland, Eastern Europe, they they come over, stage an accident for the purpose of obtaining a personal injury award in light of the fact that it can be quite lucrative in Ireland. The, the injury awards in Ireland are four to five times higher than what they are in the UK and multiple times what they are in um, some of the, for example, Eastern European countries. So we have seen numerous examples of this fraud tourism. We did have uh, such an example back in late 2016 whereby a, a highest van was rented out in the UK. There were 14 people, 14 injury claims sustained from all passengers in the van whereby they saw an opportunity where Aureviva, Ireland policyholder, um, overtook a car behind the van, pulled in behind the van, and the van slammed on the brakes. So it'll be a good example of a crash for cash scheme. Um, all 14 passengers claimed to be injured as a result, three of which claimed to have hit their head off the windscreen because they were sitting in the front row of the van. But when the van was forensically examined, we were able to establish that the windscreen was in fact hit from the outside in, which would completely contradict the claims from the front three passengers. So what they did was they got they, they had a fire extinguisher or something along those lines and they hit they broke the, they broke the windscreen from the outside in instead of from the inside out and having forensically examined that windscreen we were able to establish that that was in fact the case. So we we obviously retained that for, for as evidence. Throughout the podcast I've just been I don't think it's a commonly held belief, but there will be some people who think insurance fraud is, is maybe could be termed a victimless crime. Based on on the, just that story there, I'm assuming yeah. you would you would quite strongly disagree with that. I would disagree with that. Um, I, I think traditionally there might have been a degree of um, belief that that insurance is a victimless crime. The cost of insurance in Ireland over the last number of years has risen, especially for commercial insurance policies. There's quite a number of people in Ireland, such as the uh, own McCambridge would be one who's it's 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 in the public domain. He's the direct the director of the Alliance for Insurance Reform in Ireland, and he's a business owner himself. And he he publicly stated that his insurance premium has gone from seventeen thousand a year to one hundred and two thousand a year. There's another individual that was um, the owner of an aquadome in Tralee. He was he was recently in the media as well, who stated that he has to pay he's to cover the first hundred and eighty three thousand euro of each and every claim personal injury claim that's been made against them. Those figures are startling that you just quoted there. Now, Aviva in the UK have done a lot of work on um, what they've called the road to reform, but it's, it's basically getting the government to change the laws around whiplash to make it much harder to make a, make a claim. Is there anything like that happening in Ireland to try and um, uh, sort of fight back against insurance fraud? Yes, we, we, we have a lot in common on, on that ground. Um, some of our senior managers right up to our chief executive officer John Quinlan have been heavily involved in lobbying with the Irish government in light of the, the, the one of the main reasons would be the high injury awards again as I stated earlier they're four to five times higher than what they are in the UK uh, this attracts uh, quite a lot of people to Ireland for the purpose of staging fraudulent accidents. Um, our head of our head of claims, John Farrell, has been quite active on that front as well, as well as Rob Smith, the the um, investigations and fraud manager of Ireland. Um, they have met government ministers. 
they've they've relayed their concerns in regards to the cost of awards in Ireland, and they 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 put it pretty simple to the government. They said that technically speaking, the the customers are the ones that have to pay these high awards. As long as these awards stay high, insurance premiums can't come down. So that's the general consensus of the message that's that that we're trying to deliver to the government at the highest level. So. As we've heard, much of the insurance fraud that takes place stems from organised criminal gangs. But there are plenty of opportunistic individuals who think they can make some easy money as well. Have a listen to this. We had a chap who uh, was claiming for a Rolex watch. Um, and then um, our jewellery supplier said it would be really helpful in order to value this, the item to find out if the customer had a photograph of the watch. Uh, so we asked the customer, he said, yeah, he did have a photograph and he sent it to us. Now, we've got a neat piece of kit which actually tells us the, the time and the date of all digital photographs just from looking at the photograph. Um, and it turned out that the photograph of the watch was dated after the watch was allegedly stolen. So it turned out that the chap hadn't lost his watch at all. But as insurers get better at detecting examples like that and things like staged car crashes and fake whiplash, fraudsters are branching out into other areas. Slip and trip claims are where someone pretends to fall over and makes a claim against the property or business owner in the hope they'll get a payout. Aviva's figures show that in 2018 claims like these against liability insurance grew by 20% in the UK compared to the year before. A case like this made the news earlier this year. I've put a link to the video in the show notes. A woman gently bumped her foot on a couple of cartons of orange juice which had been placed there by an accomplice, all to make an insurance claim. Instead, she received a suspended sentence in the first private prosecution in the UK by an insurance company against a slip-and-trip fraudster. Richard Hiscox is Director of Casualty Claims for UK Insurance at Aviva. He says cases like this aren't that unusual. Unfortunately in um, in the motor world and in the uh, liability world we get a lot um, people claiming to have slipped um, and hurt themselves or people claiming injury following accidents and, and you know often there might be an incident and actually the injury isn't real or they manufacture the incident like in the video where two accomplices place the carton of orange juice in order to stage the accident um, and other other bizarre cases you know we frequently find for example that um, our customer will be involved in an accident say with a car with one person in it um, and we'll get four claims, something we call phantom passengers. So it is it is rife, unfortunately, across the industry, um, and it prevents a, a constant challenge for our handlers to to spot it and protect our customers. Now, you might not want to give away sort of your trade secrets here, but you, you mentioned there for your for the sort of claims handlers, the people on the front line who work for Aviva taking those calls. What are some of maybe, if you can go into, what are some of the telltale signs or what kind of things do you look out for that make you think, hang on, this one needs a second look. We need to we need to investigate this a bit more uh, closely. Um, it comes down to the quality of the investigation. And actually, um, our, our handlers will spend a lot of time. But I, I obviously, there'll be things about the claim that, that help them. They're, they are aided, certainly in the motor space, by some really cute analytics that tell us some things about the claim, um, where it came from, um, who's involved. There's some, some neat stuff behind that about you know networks of fraudsters that will tip us off for some of those cases. And in others, the really key thing is what do our 
customers tell us. So if a customer tells us that, you know, I was involved in an accident in a car park and I really was still in first gear and going a couple of miles an hour, you would then be put on alert if somebody's putting in a claim for serious whiplash or neck injuries or back injuries. Um, and then we'll, we'll start asking questions. And it's really helpful when we can get video footage, either CCTV, like in the case we've just seen, uh, dash cam footage, stuff from the councils, cameras on buses, all those things will, will tell us. Really, the key evidence is what does, what does our customer tell us and if they, what the third party a lawyer tells us is really different, then that gives us scope to investigate accordingly. Some people will see insurance fraud as a sort of victimless crime. Would you argue against that? Very much so. I mean, it's not a victimless crime if ultimately you pay for it through your premium. And um, and I'd say that it's on two counts. So, so if you're involved in an incident and you know that the person... Um, hasn't been injured and we can use the the example of the people who work in the shop um where that that lady allegedly tripped and um and injured herself if you work in there it's really unpleasant to find accusations made against you that, that aren't true and and our customers would expect us to look after them and sometimes that's not financial sometimes that's reputational just how they they feel about the justice in the world so that's that's one level but secondly you know if you end up paying four or five thousand pounds uh, in that case the, the owner of that shop will end up having to pay a, a much higher insurance premium as will all other shop owners on their insurance premium so you know it it, it isn't victimless uh, everybody in the market pays more and it's really incumbent upon us and other insurance companies to, to defend those customers because, you know, if we were to pay more of those claims, then the sad reality is we would get even more of them because people see it as um, money for old rope. And it's really, really important that we defend those customers. And I'm really proud of the work the team has done um, to defend customers and to gain a reputation for doing so. Well, that was Richard Hiscox, Director of Casualty Claims at UK Insurance at Aviva. So... Is insurance fraud a victimless crime? Well, as we've heard, at its worst, insurance fraud is carried out by organised criminal gangs who can have links to really serious criminal activity. And on a personal level, insurance fraud makes our policies more expensive. Personally, I'd rather have that money in my pocket. Well, thank you for listening to the Aviva podcast. There's more details about the fight against insurance fraud in the show notes and, of course, a link to the video of the woman bumping into the carton of orange juice.